Welcome to the Culture Classroom, a podcast for teachers and coaches by teachers and coaches. Listen to top leaders, innovators, and influencers share their stories about how intentional culture elevates performance. Now, here are your hosts, John Weaver and John Torrey. Let's get better together. Well, joining us in the classroom today is Coach Jason Wilkes from The Cary High School. Uh, Coach Wilkes, welcome to the classroom. Thanks for your time, and we appreciate having you in. Thanks, guys. Uh, appreciate you guys having me. and look forward to it. Yeah, I'm, Coach, I'm interested to hear about the Cary High School and, and how y'all build intentional culture inside your football program. So uh, as we get started, uh, Coach, can you go back back in time and your coaching journey and, and just tell a little bit of your story of how you got into football? Yeah, so um, I got my start at Coastal Carolina University um, in South Carolina uh, as a student assistant while I was in school there. Um, you know, for me, loved the game of football my entire life, played it growing up throughout high school, and uh, once I, you know, got in college, quickly realized I wasn't good enough to play at that level, um, so then I, you know, did everything I could to stay involved with the game, and was able to sit down and meet with uh, Coach Bennett, who was the head coach there at the time, and, you know, I really appreciate him getting to know me at that time, when he really could have just blown me off, but, you know, he saw what I wanted to do, and saw my passion for coaching, so... He sat down with me and asked me my aspirations. I told him I wanted to be offensive coordinator. Uh, so quickly he told me that I was going to be able to join their staff but work on the defensive side of the ball, uh, which was, you know, a big change for me. I grew up playing quarterback and receiver my entire life pretty much. And for me, he told me it was the best way I could learn football as a whole. Uh, so I was really thankful for that in the long run. So I uh, was there for um, three seasons, um, you know, after I graduated there. Um, I was able to come back and continue to work with them in a quality control role. Um, did that for another season. Um, and then after that, I was able to go out to uh, Delta State um, where I worked with uh, under Coach Ron Roberts, worked with some great guys like Pete Golding, um, just phenomenal people whenever I was there. Um, you know, some of these guys I worked with, you know, pretty much everybody from that staff is either major one, division one college football, or either head coaches or coordinators at the high school level. So um, I really felt like that was football one-on-one for me. Um, I was able to really add a lot of tools to my toolbox and made me a better coach through that time. And, you know, we were pretty successful there. We made it to the national championship for division two, uh, lost on a last second field goal to Minnesota Duluth. Uh, and then the following year, we made it to the semifinals. And then from there, our staff, we went to uh, southeastern Louisiana. Um, while, I, while I was at southeastern Louisiana, um, one of my former guys I worked with at Coastal, he became a head coach in North Carolina, uh, Middle Creek High School in Apex, which is right down the road from Cary. He asked me if I wanted to come back, get back into Carolinas. And, you know, I was, you know, going to go for college football at the time. And, you know, I had a lot of family members that I didn't really get to see. Um, like my grandmother was getting up in age, and she actually passed away while I was living out there. So I made the decision to come back to the Carolinas just to be close to the family um, and give high school ball a try, and I've loved it ever since. So I've been um, really in this area of Raleigh, the greater area of Raleigh, since uh, that time and really enjoyed it. Coach, we have a lot of connections. I played at Delta State. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah. I played with yeah. up. Pete, Scott Eiser, Barker. Yeah, so Rick Rhodes was our head coach. At, let me back that up. Campbell 
when I came there, uh, they had just won the national championship in 2000. I came in the spring of 01. Uh, so right after they won it, they were getting fitted for their rings. I was in that meeting and I was like, they were passing around the rings. I was like, hold on now. I, like, can I get one of these? <laughs> you know, just kind of messing around. And, uh, you know, then uh, Campbell leaves and then Rick Rhodes comes in. Uh, I play two year, two more years there as a red shirt. Uh, I got red shirted medically. Then I go back and I play uh, the last two years. And then I was a GA for a semester before moving to Birmingham. But yeah, Pete and Scott. I mean, we went nine and two my red shirt my yeah. my, my last year. And um, yeah, so you you're in some good company with the coaches that you're naming. I mean, Ron's now at Baylor. And Pete's yep. now the DC at, at Alabama. I mean, you yep. talk about a coaching star. That's it, Coach. Yeah, I was able to work with Carl Scott too. Whenever I, whenever I went down to to Louisiana, and Brian Brown, who's now at uh, Louisville, he was with us at Delta State when I first got there. It's just, I mean, just great guys. I mean, you know, Catlin French, who's the head coach at Biloxi. Yep. Um, he was my roommate for a while. Whenever I was there, we were GAing together. Wow. Um, just awesome people to be around and. You know, just I feel like that made me a tremendously better coach. And then even whenever I went down to Louisiana, my roommate whenever I was there was Ryan Barker. Oh, wow. I was in Hammond, his hometown, and, you know, he played Delta State. And um, we had some mutual friends and, you know, just learning football from him too from his time in coaching football. It's just I've been blessed to be around some great football minds. Yeah, we're man, we're in the same little family. Uh, You tell you something crazy about Scott before we go any further, uh, or, or Pete, excuse me. So Ryan and Scott were on a visit to Delta State and they were recruiting him. They didn't even have a clue about Pete. Mm-hmm. Uh, or, or maybe it was Scott, I don't know. But one of them didn't even, they didn't have a, a clue. And now they come and they all three were all Americans yeah, uh, from Hammond High. I mean, it was ridiculous. Uh, I mean, Scott, our senior year, he was a true freshman. We would go nine and two. Uh, and miss the playoffs, but man, it's that's awesome. That's cool to make some connections down here with with Mississippi boys down in Delta State and, and stuff yeah, like man. that. So I don't have the personal connection that Coach Weaver does with them, um, but you talk about it, and Weaver and I talk about it all the time, right? The All Blacks. They have the saying, "Better people make better All Blacks." What was it about them as leaders that really gave you the confidence and courage to think that they're high character, great men? Um, well, first of all, you know, I felt like, you know, they cared about each other mm. as people, first and foremost, um, which was great. And on top of that, all those guys I've coached with that I mentioned, and um, even some I have mentioned, you know, those guys, they're super competitive um, and not necessarily personally competitive. They want to just be the best that they can be. They try to sharpen those around them. They, you know, and they're also humble and willing to learn mm. from others, too, so. Mm. You know, it was it was literally football 101 during that time. Um, Coach Roberts did a great job with us. You know, he would, you know, put the staff during the spring, we'd do our own professional development in-house where we would teach each other and have to teach certain schemes or certain positions that we may not be coaching, um, which just made us even better coaches. I mean, it was just a great time for me learning as a football coach. And then I want you to tell a little bit about how that impacts you as a leader. How do you embody those same qualities that you learned from those men? I think it's just, you know, treating people as people, you know, 
you know, they're coaches, but they're people too. You got to make sure you remember that and they have families and stuff going on. Um, one of the coolest, like most humbling experiences I, that happened to me whenever I was out there at that time, like I said, my grandmother passed away during that time. You know, I was a GA then and I wasn't making very much money. My truck wasn't very reliable and um, my grandmother was passing away. So they gave me the call. I was like, you don't have much time. You need to come see her. So I remember going into Pete's office and, you know, telling him, you know, this is my situation. I don't know what I'm going to do. I don't know if I'm going to have to buy a plane ticket or what. And literally, he doesn't even hesitate or flinch and hands me the keys to his brand-new F-150 that he has. And he's like, go, go right now. And that, to me, has stuck with me throughout the years. Um, just people like that and those type of experiences where, you know, we're busy as coaches. we got a lot of things that we're prioritizing. But first and foremost, you know, we got to make sure that we take care of each other, make sure we're taking care of our families. And that really stood out to me during that, during that time. Yeah, I think, and I'm going to go back to my time when I played. And, um, man, it was, DSU is all about family. Uh, a large part of the population comes from the university. When I was there, it was like around 4,200 people that went to school there. So that the university made a large part of the, the community of Cleveland. And, uh, you know, it, it, it's kind of like that Southern hospitality deal that we're going to help you out no matter what. If I had, like you said with Pete, given, given the keys to his own vehicle so you, you can go do something and, and go see that about your grandmother. And uh, I think that just speaks volumes for just people in the South but I also think it speaks to the human race of how we want to help people in general. And then it goes even further into coaches. Uh, and we're in this profession. Uh, I don't know about you, but since this coronavirus thing's been going on, it yes, I've loved spending time at home, but man, I miss my people. I miss seeing the kids that I coach, seeing the, the kids that we impact daily uh, in that relationship aspect. So, um, you know, I, I, that's awesome. Uh, where in where in your culture journey slash um, leadership did you start molding like hey I want to be like this guy uh, I want to take this from this person when did that start coming about because I know X's and O's are important in the college game like that's that's really big like X and O's and all that in the recruiting process but when did you start seeing like hey I want to take this from this leader I want to take this from Pete I want to take this from Coach Roberts and then start molding your own philosophy on what leadership looks like. You know, throughout the years, it's just something that, you know, all those guys, they brought something different to the table, and it's just, it was easy to see why they were successful. And, you know, I just made note to myself, you know, I want to be like that. Hmm. How can I apply this to myself? And, you know, everybody says if you want to be a head coach one day, you got to continue to build your notebook or portfolio, and I think, the best thing to do is just learn from others what they do well and try to apply it to what you do. Right. So I think it's just been a continual process. Yeah. And I still I still try to do it too. You know, I try to network with other head coaches and head coaches in this area and even younger coaches just to see what they have going on and try to learn from them still because you know it's a, it's a daily process. Right. Let's okay, get... so let's talk. Let's talk a little bit about your um, maturation as a head coach. You're ready to start year three. You've had a couple years as the head coach already. Uh, talk a little bit about what's that process like. So, what's it like to be a position coach and then maybe evolve into a coordinator? And then, lastly, how does that help you as a head coach? 
Yeah, well, I think, well, first, you know, when you're starting off as an assistant coach, you just try to, you know, be a head coach of that position. Um, I think that's the best way to approach it. You're in charge of that position. Ultimately, your name's on it. So you want to put the best product you can together, and I think that's the best time to to hone your craft and figure out what works and what doesn't work because uh, you're working with a smaller group. Um, you work on building those relationships, and um, so you just continue to work at it and try to build those relationships, try to get as much um, – Try to grow in your responsibilities too. Um, that way, your coordinators above you are passing down stuff for you, and you show what you're capable of. And then, once you're able to actually become a coordinator, then you're really you're showing your mastery of different positions and showing that you can talk to everybody in that room and relate to them and build those relationships as a whole with that unit. Um, and I think that just prepares you um, to be a head coach. And luckily for me. Um, before I, I was an offensive coordinator, I was a special teams coordinator. So during that time, I loved it because I interacted with the entire team, which is awesome that a lot of assistant coaches don't normally get to do. They're kind of in their own little small units. Um, so that really helped me out. Um, so anytime you can get involved with special teams as an assistant coach, I think that's huge in your development. Um, I think that, you know, once you become a coordinator, continue to build on your craft and try to you know build your schemes and build your philosophies but at the same time you want to try to help that as that head coach as much as possible um, basically you want to be kind of like a lieutenant for that head coach you're in charge of that side of the ball um, you want to make sure that you have everything in order that way um, your, your part's done and you know you're basically just giving that information to the head coach so he can help make decisions for the team as a whole um, and then for me as a head coach, um, I've been able to, you know, grow through the years. I'll never forget when I first got the job, um, sitting down in my office the first day and thinking like, wow, what am I going to do? What am I doing? I, I feel like I'm swimming with water about to go over my head. You know, I had plans of what to do, but I'll never forget that first day. So I'm almost like, wow, like, did he, are these people sure they made the right decisions? <laughs> But, uh, you know, I, I prayed about it, you know, and then I just put my head down and got to work. I said, there's nothing else I can do but get to work. There's no time to worry. I got work to do. So um, I think it's a daily process. Um, you know, I think it's, you know, I think Randy Jackson describes it best when he says it's a daily fist fight. Um, and I, I truly believe that you have to come and work daily and be ready for new stuff thrown your way, be ready for curveballs constantly. Um, and I think it's being a head coach, um, you no day's ever the same. It's completely different from being a coordinator in a lot of ways where you're dealing with a lot of stuff that's not exposed. You know, just it gets easier as you go through it. You get more rhythms and routines, but um, it's, it's a totally different world, and I'm still learning. Right. Well, I've been I – was, I was a head coach for two years, uh, two different schools, and I, I probably shouldn't have been, like – I wasn't ready, but, you know, we won. We had great players. So uh, in my 15 years, uh, I was a head coach at two different schools. And, you know, it comes down to was I ready? So that that overwhelming feeling that you had, uh, you know, I felt that. But let's talk about what you do as a head coach. And I think this is interesting because a lot of head coaches, uh, you know, Ron Mackey said this earlier uh, with us that, 
it's hard for a head coach to give up keys to the kids. What about head coaches giving up keys to the assistant coaches? And how do you do that in your staff? And, and I guess the trust component in that. So, you know, you're the head coach. Everything runs through your office, right? You wear the big 10-gallon hat. How do you go about giving, um, I guess, lack of a better word, like responsibilities to other coaches and then trusting them with that? Yeah, I think it, uh, it all goes back to relationships. Um, you know, through the years, you know, before I became a head coach, obviously trying to build that coaching portfolio, I try to identify guys like, you know, if one day I become a head coach, who are guys that I would like to work with? You know, who are guys that I truly value and what they bring to the table? And, and also, would they be able to be a fit and be able to come work at our school? Um, so that's something that I've really tried to focus on and build on our staff. And thankfully, um, a lot of the guys that we have on staff, um, like our defense coordinator, I'm only for 10 years, dating back to whenever I was at Delta State during that time. And uh, our offense coordinator, known him for years as well, too. And so I think it's really important as a head coach that you got to be able to delegate. And that's something that – you know, in the past few years, I think I've grown in that area. At first, I felt like I tried to do too much and not say I was micromanaging, but I wouldn't give up some small tasks that a coach could easily do um, to help lighten my load. And I think that it's important that you give those guys opportunities to learn uh, through delegation. So um, a lot of times, you know, if I delegate something to an assistant coach, it may be done totally different than I may have done it, but a lot of times it's better than what I would have done. So that's something I really learned through time and through the years that, you know, you got to really invest in those people around you. You build those trusts and relationships with them and give them opportunities to grow. And I think that a lot of times that, that when you empower them, that you really create a stronger staff. How do you go about uh, hiring them? Like what's the interview process look like for you? Um, I'll be honest with you. You know, a lot of these guys known through the years, and for me, the most important thing is, you know, how they care about kids. Are they teachers? Are they educators? Um, and I think those are things that you can tell pretty quickly in the process um, with scheme aside. So if I feel like a coach isn't great at building relationships or isn't passionate about seeing kids do well, then maybe that's not a great fit for us. But, you know, I think it's pretty easy to tell, um, you know, if you don't really know a guy that well from a previous relationship, what kind of person that they are or what kind of drive they have in them to, to help those around them. Uh, so let's talk about that really quick, Coach Wilkes. How do you intentionally build relationships with the, those that you serve on your team? Yeah, I think that it's just – like I said, it's a daily fist fight, so you got to create time to have conversations with guys and not just be about football and spend time with them and, you know, whether it's outside of the game and just hanging out um, and just, just being friends. You know, I think that's an important thing. You have to build that relationship, that bond, because, you know, otherwise if it's just football, if it's just X's and O's, you're not creating that cohesiveness. Okay. Uh, and then how do you encourage your assistant coaches to build relationships with those that they serve? Um, I think that that's something that we talk about as a staff. I think we try to come up with ways and that we can spend time with each other. Um, you know, this past year as a coaching staff, we, 
we did some voluntary uh, book studies and Bible studies together on Thursdays after practice, which I think was really beneficial for us. And, you know, just finding ways to help empower each other. And I think, too, it's important, you know, as a coaching staff, you know, when you go in that conference room, uh, it's okay to be vulnerable. It's okay to share what's going on in your lives and what you and your family may be dealing with. Um, that way you know that you're all in this together and if something comes up, you know, we're there to help each other. That's great. Do you guys do any kind of like leadership program uh, within your program? Yes, we do. Um, so we really focus it on in the off season and, you know, right now with the current state with the virus going around, the way we've done it in the past has kind of been put on pause. But basically we sat down as a staff and we identify guys that we believe are leaders in our program. And we invite those guys to come in, and I've kind of built a little bit of a leadership curriculum um, where we take them through different scenarios, uh, really big on the um, above-the-line stuff and, you know, B plus R equals O, no BCD, um, and teaching them in small groups kind of that philosophy, um, as well as using other videos of leadership uh, examples. And the cool thing with that um, is that whenever we've done that, is that there's always guys that want to come that may not have initially been identified, and we invite those guys to join as well. Um, you know, ultimately, we'd love if the whole team would come, you know, but I think it's important to identify the leaders and try to help grow them um, and give, equip them with the tools that they need. And then, you know, I think it's contagious once those guys start to have that empowerment to be leaders. So when you do like a book study, how long do you carve out in order to get that done? Do you take like a chapter a week and then get them all copies and then they're responsible for reading and then you come back to discuss? Talk a little bit about that model that you use. Yeah, so this, you know, this past year what we did was we would meet weekly. Um, we would take them through a curriculum, whether it be different presentations, videos. We actually haven't gotten into book study yet. Um, I've just gotten a grant, a mini grant for the coffee bean book uh, by Damon West and John Gordon for our leadership curriculum for this year. And we were planning to kind of just break it down to chunks, uh, go week by week. That way they could really focus on certain aspects of it or its discussion and their, their self-reflection as well. So it may be, we're going to come we have to be creative here in these next few weeks and months of how we're going to approach that, but we're still going to try to involve that leadership curriculum. Yeah, I thought okay, well, you, you hit me up and I'll send you however many copies of my book you want. Awesome, man. I appreciate that. Yeah, we talking about book studies. I talked to a coach last night, um, Logan Dotson from Oxford, and they're doing where well, they're meeting with their kids via Zoom. Yeah. And, uh, I thought that was pretty neat. So they're having these like check-in meetings like tonight at nine o'clock, they're having a check-in meeting with their position group. So they're going by position groups and just seeing how they're doing and keeping that human interaction uh, like with their team. So I think that's one way you could use that and utilize that. Um, yeah. So tell us, I like that. yeah. Tell us about your football program in general. Um, what you want to see with your program uh, maybe the vision that you have for Cary High School. Yeah, so um, okay, like I've told you, I think before we got on the show was, you know, Cary High School was the oldest high school in North Carolina. So it's a lot of tradition, a lot of history. Um, they've won a state championship before. They've been the semifinals. Um, however, in the you know past decade or so, the program has been 
not at that level, and that's something that we want to try to get back to that level. So, like, you know, there's a lot of support in our community, a lot of alumni. So the support's there. Our administration's great. They're super supportive. we got an awesome AD. Um, so it's a great um, fertile ground, I believe. And on top of that, we've got some really good kids. So, I mean, our, our football program, if anybody asks us about it, you know, or asks a kid, what's the first – one word to describe our football program is family. Um, that's something we're really big on with our program. And for us, family means forget about me, I love you. And all of our players can recite that instantly. Um, it's something that we've really put an emphasis on because ultimately when we go out there on Friday nights, it's just us. It's just our family. Um, and our guys understand that what they do affects everybody that's around them. And they represent more than just themselves. They represent their family, their name, and our community. And that's something that we take a lot of pride in. And you, whenever you, I feel like you're working at a school um, that's named after a community or named after a town, um, that really carries a lot of weight um, that you have to, you know, put on the best face for that town and give them something that they can be proud of. And for our kids, um, as far as our mission goes, you know, our mission statement, we want to make sure that we're um, teaching our boys to be quality men through the game of football so ultimately you know we do want to win football games that mm-hmm. stuff is important um we want to win championships uh, but ultimately we want to see these guys be successful years down the road um you know it'd be great to win trophies and stuff and that is a goal but you know i want to see these guys be successful in life and how they are 10 years from now 20 years from now um, just in my short coaching career so far it's been great to see some of my former players from Delta State and Coastal Carolina and other places that have gone on to some of them are dentists and lawyers and doctors and way better, more impactful professions than I may ever be and I think that that's really cool to see that from those guys and you know regardless how many football games they've won you know we want to see them be uh, successful you know we want to see them be great husbands and fathers and people in their communities well I think your mission and your vision are, are compelling. Um, also, I don't think there are very, very many platforms out there like teaching and coaching that will allow people to have impact like we do on a daily basis. Uh, but with that said, how do you get 15 to 18 year old boys with all the stereotypes of masculinity and all that stuff out there about what it's like to be a man, that false sense of reality, how do you get them to buy into that, forget about you, me, I love you my mentality? Yeah, I think that, uh, you know, with us as a team, usually every summer we do a team camp, and during that time we're able to get away and it's just focusing on football for three days. And during that time it's really impactful for our team that we really build a bond with each other. Um, with During that time we really focus on things talking about what is our why. Why do we play football? Why do we do the things we do? Because, you know, to be a football player or play any sport, you have to make a choice. Mm-hmm. And for all these kids to commit the time and energy and come work out in the hot summer weather and lift heavy weights and, and you know, bang at practice, you know, that takes a lot of commitment. So we, we talk about why, what motivates them and, and who they are. So by us doing that, it's really opened up the floor for our guys to really open up to each other. And, you know, you find out a lot about your teammates and those around you during those settings that you may have never known without 
you know, having those conversations. And I think once our guys realize some of the stuff that their teammates have been through or some of the stuff that they may be going through, it really builds that cohesive bond where they really care about each other um, and that it isn't just about them and that they need to love each other. Yeah, I, I, I go back and I think, you know, uh, guys about um, – coaches say this all the time, you know, when they're playing football. If, it's, if it was easy, everybody would do it. But it, there is an element exactly. – there is an element that that uh, there is a sacrifice that you know they give up their summer to to be in the heat, to go and lift, and to train, to get ready for a sport that everybody looks forward to in the fall, um, rather than going having a summer break. There really is no summer break for football guys. And that, that's what I try to focus on with our guys. I, I try to remind them regularly that, that they are elite because you know at our school there's over 2,300 students and. We got a hundred guys out there. You know, that's a small percentage of our school. And if you're willing to be that different, mm-hmm. that you are elite. And I, I truly believe that our guys are. It's it's amazing. Um, and then once you've built that bond, that forget about me, I love you mentality. How do you do vulnerability? Because I, I'll just be honest. This is one area that I know I need to get better at with my program. But it's really hard for me to show like vulnerability uh, in a group when people are looking at you for decisions or when they're looking at you for wisdom. Um, how do you do that? How do you share with your kids your vulnerability? I think that you know, as a coach, that you it's important that you don't put on this facade as a tough guy. You got to let them know that you're a person too. You, you deal, you're dealing with things in your own life. You've dealt with things in your own life and. And I'm very open with, you know, my players about, you know, whenever I was a teenager, my mother passed away from cancer. And um, it was really important for me that I had that bond with my teammates during that time. Otherwise, I don't know which pass I would have taken. But because of the love of my teammates and being around them, I was able to, you know, get through those times a little bit easier. And so I think this is important that you show – and share your journey with your players and that you're not just a, a vulnerability with them and let the people in your program know that you have an open door. And so I feel like, you know, whether it's myself or our assistant coaches and our players feel like they're comfortable enough that when stuff is going on, they're willing to come talk to us about it and let us know what's going on. And they know it's a judgment-free zone and we're there to help them and, and help guide them through, you know, tough decisions in their life. That's fantastic. You know, I, I, I go back and I think about what a coach does and, and how a coach is supposed to, you know, we're, we're dads to a lot of those kids. Uh, they don't have, have dads at home or have dads that are not uh, playing a, an integral part in their life or whatever. So I think it's important, you know, that, you know, we just had a coach on that talked about how he has one son, but his wife quickly reminded, hey, you have 26, 27, 28 other sons, 72 other sons, um, you know, that, that you see on a daily basis. So I think it's important that the fact that you, you stress that family atmosphere and that forget about me, I love you um, mentality where it's, it's not about who we are, it's we're going to take care of you. I think that also translates back to maybe what Pete did for you uh, in the family atmosphere when you were at Delta State to kind of help you spark some stuff. What other ideals, uh, 
core values slash heart values uh, standards do you have inside of uh, your football program? Okay, so one thing that we try to focus on with our guys is uh, just taking them on a – we tell them that football is a vehicle, and it's going to take you on a journey. Um, like for me, thankfully, football has taken me around the country and coached at different places. And through football, I was able to, like I said, overcome my mother's death by being around my friends and, you know, how they helped build me up by being great teammates. And, you know, I was able to get my master's degree through football. Um, so football could take you to some great places, um, and, you know, brought me to where I am now, where I met my wife and now a family of my own. So but those are all things that we try to remind them of. And we tell them that, like I said, it takes them on a journey. Mm. So while they're in our program, uh, we tell them that while they're on their journey, we're going to, they're going to be on an imps journey. Imps is our mascot. Um, so really imps, it stands for integrity, maturity, um, physical performance and student achievement. So we try to focus on, you know, with the integrity, being on time, being where you say you're going to be um, mature, making the right decisions. That's being disciplined. Discipline is a choice, uh, making those correct decisions. Obviously, physical performance, the weight room, as well as on the field, and then the student mm -hmm. achievement, focusing on being the best uh, student they can be. Uh, and for them, you know, we try to focus on their academics year-round, whether they're in spring or winter sports, we're still tracking their academics and staying in contact with them as position coaches and as a coordinators and head coach, we stay in contact with them year-round. I think that's really important. And, you know, for our program, we've kind of evolved into um, best as a standard, and that's what we focus on and try to push to them daily and just, you know, focus on giving your best and whatever it may be. I think it's amazing. So where, what's next, Coach? I know you're always working on, you know, improving and changing and modifying and making it a better experience for your guys. What are you working on right now? What's 2020? What's the focus going to be heading into this season? Yeah, we're, you know, we're focusing on the uh, best as a standard and we're in the process of creating player um, created standards. So what we did as a staff, you know, we talked about, is, you know, we can roll out all these rules, we can roll out all these expectations, but ultimately we need these players to be um, invested in this process. So we came up with the decision that we're going to help our players create their own standards so that we're, we're faced with any issues or stuff isn't going the way we think it should be, then we can say, all right, guys, look, this is the standards that you guys came up with. Are we living up to these standards or not? Mm. Um, we focus on best as the standard. And with that, all right, what we're doing is that we are – we're just caring about our kids. And we are focusing on trying to give them all the opportunities they can to display their best. So with our standards, we try to break them down into different areas, um, whether it's um, in the weight room, in the classroom, in the community, on the practice field, and in the games. And so we're knee-deep in the process right now. Um, of creating those standards, and it's worked out really well for us so far. Um, we've created our weight room standards and gotten those nailed down. And with our weight room standards, uh, the way we've basically done it is we gave them a prompt that said, you know, in the weight room, we will display commitment to our team and improve our individual strength and conditioning by and ask them to get into small groups. Hmm. And while they're in small groups, they discuss the ways that they think that they can give their best to display those attributes to their team. And after they discussed in small groups and we came back together as a whole group and hashed out um, which ones that they thought were most important. And this is all done by the players. 
And as coaches, all we did was compile um, their list of standards that they thought were important um, for that area. And so basically from that point, we kind of just said, all right, this is your standard. This is what you created. And, and it's been worked out great for us so far um, because I feel like the players feel like their voice is really heard. It's something they came up with. It's something that they value, they see importance in. And honestly, it's everything that as coaches we would put down or think was important, but it's truly coming from them. It's really organic, um, and our guys have really t- taken it and run with it. So I'm really excited about the future of us creating more standards um, using that same approach. Um, so we'll see where it takes us. Coach, I'm going to show my ignorance here. I had to look up what an imp was. It's a little devil. Yeah. I was like, what is an imp? And uh, yeah. I looked it up, and it says, noun, a small, mischievous devil. I was like, cool. <laughs> Pretty unique. I mean, it is. It's not, it's not quite the fighting okra, but. Hey, I, you know, and I thought when you said imp, I was like, that's got to be a Division two mascot in the GSC. Uh, yeah. Like the Wonder right Boys the and the Bull Weevils. Weevils. Yeah, the Bull Weevils. Uh, so coaches we as we kind of finish up here um there's one thing that we ask all the time is um what is our carrying trademark and our carrying trademark goes into um from john gordon so for coach tory he wears his purple shoes on wrestling uh days for me i wear it's a tiger woods thing i wear uh only wear red during uh, our state track championship. So uh, when we have our state track championship, if we have it this year, who knows? Uh, I'll wear red on that Friday, Saturday. So just question to you, and we ask every guest this, what is your carrying trademark? Oh, shoot. Uh, Like something that I do or wear. You know, for me, um, just always focusing on that family aspect so anytime you see something on social media or something with our program you see family usually hashtag with it um it's something that you know on our players gear on their helmets there's family somewhere on there um something we try to incorporate and constantly keep those reminders and i would say that you know families are carrying trademark i don't think you can think of any other way to describe caring other than forget about me i love you Sounds great. It's really good. Uh, well, in the classroom today has been Coach Jason Wilkes. Uh, Coach, we really appreciate your time. And Coach Weaver, I don't know about you, but I definitely got better today. Absolutely. Y'all, thanks for tuning in.